Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. You know, when we think about the cross of Christ, it really does impress upon us the stark contrast between the ultimate expression of love and compassion and the unremitting display of wickedness and cruelty. One of the many acts of careless indifference were those of the soldiers who actually played games of chance at the foot of the cross. They were gambling for mere clothing as three men suffered on crosses right in front of them. How callous can men's hearts be? Of course, the abuse and torments were directed mostly toward Jesus himself. He was hated without a cause by the many who assembled there. The scene was a mixture of extreme pathos, injustice, and agony. One would never think that it would be business as usual for the crowds that passed by, or even took the time to stop for a moment. That wouldn't be me, someone may say. I would never be so disrespectful as to do such a thing, betting on my chances for gain amid such horrors? Maybe. But how many at this very moment are doing basically the same thing? Christ offers eternal life, forgiveness, a life with God, but they don't believe it, and go on gambling with their lives, with their souls. How many are frittering away precious time on things that don't matter? How many are trading on their belief that God will be merciful to them at the last hour? How many are looking for other things to satisfy as they walk past what God is offering to them? These are some of the considerations taken up in our message today by Speaker Peter Ramsey. Matthew 27 and verse 33. And when they were come onto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him, that's Jesus, vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted the wrath, he would not drink. And they crucified him, and they parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots, and sitting down, they watched him, there. I don't know what your posture is just now as you're watching, but it may look something like this, sitting and listening, considering the message, the meaning of the cross. And this verse that we read, sitting down, they watched him there. If we were to read Mark's account, Mark says, and when they crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them what every man should take. And if you have your Bible, I'm going to read a little bit more in John's Gospel, chapter 19, John 19, verse 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier a part. And also his coat. Now, 
The coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. And John writes, That the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, They parted my raiments among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. So the scene, I think we're all familiar with the scene. That beautiful verse in Isaiah, Isaiah could never look forward to any forgiveness of sins if it wasn't for the coming one who would die upon a cross. But that scene of the cross, the greatest travesty of justice ever known in history, even if you're only remotely familiar with the Christian faith, you probably know about the cross of Jesus. Now, a lot of people wear a cross around their neck, but they have no Christ in their heart. And so why do I call it a travesty of justice? Well, for this reason, the governor, who was the judge in this case, he publicly acknowledged his sincere belief in the innocence of the defendant, of Jesus. He knew that Jesus was innocent. He was the one that was charged, but the governor, the judge knew he was innocent. But Governor Pilate yielded to pressure from the religious elite. It was a travesty of justice. And so there is significance in the details that we have read. They stripped him of his only earthly possessions. They stripped him, Jesus, of his clothes. After heaping abuse and piling on the inhumane and dark treatment, they then take the remaining, the final external dignity, the very clothes he was wearing, his only protection from the flies, his only protection from the UV rays of the midday sun. They take that final external dignity from him. They removed all his clothes from him. I remember years ago in Washington, D.C., a Christian took us on a tour of the Holocaust Museum. It was the only museum that I had been in where there was a hush and you would see other people visiting and they were wiping their eyes and there were tears running down their face as they looked at all the exhibits in the Holocaust Museum. And there was one exhibit that just broke my heart and caused my tears to come down my face. It was seeing adult men and women stripped of their clothes before they went into those ovens. Head shaved, they salvaged their hair. They salvaged their clothes. They took their boots and their shoes. And to see these people humiliated beyond what our minds can fathom, a cause for weeping. When I turn to the cross and I think that my blessed Savior, he endured that. He knew what it was to have his clothes to be torn off him. Can you think of any reason why God would have allowed this to happen? Why? Why wasn't there a lightning bolt sent from heaven to usher all of those people out into a lost, dark eternity? Why? What was the reason 
for God to withhold judgment and his wrath on those people? Can you think of any reason why Jesus Christ would have willingly endured all of this? You don't read of any resistance that the Lord Jesus put up at any point. He didn't resist. He didn't hurl accusations against them. Can you think of any reason why he endured this? You know, people react differently to situations. It was no different at the cross. Imagine yourself there on that particular day. I wonder which crowd would you be in? How would you react at the cross? There were those who were hiking down the road and they didn't even bother to stop. They just joined in as they were passing by, just took a few moments to hurl a few verbal abuses at Jesus. And they kept on walking. We're glad that you stopped for a few minutes to consider the Lord Jesus Christ and what he was willing to endure. Others didn't walk. They stood there and they piled on the mockery and the scorn. They literally stood at the cross and they taunted Jesus. The head of the Roman battalion, it seems like he stood there, the centurion, he stood there, I think, soberly and pondered this extraordinary man that he was looking at on a criminal's cross. And then there were the four soldiers at the base of the cross. And what were they doing? They were gambling at the cross. One final piece of his clothing, his clothing. The other four pieces, they easily divvied up among themselves but there was a seamless inner garment he once wore, and it was of greater value. How, how they could do this, but they, they gambled. They said, well, we're not going to divide this up. We're not going to tear it. There'd be no value in four torn pieces. So with their dice, they rolled. You know what that is. They rolled for the highest number. Yes, this was going on. At the foot of the cross, four soldiers. I wonder what you're doing at the foot of the cross right now. You say, well, I'm certainly not gambling. That's exactly what they were doing. They were gambling. Oh, you say, a small gamble. It all depends on your perspective, whether it's a small gamble or not. Maybe small in our estimation, but to God. It was just adding further insult to injury. So significant would be the fact that gamblers would play their game in the shadow of the cross. That was so significant and offensive to God. These gamblers at the foot of the cross, oblivious to the greatest display of love ever known. That was so much in God's mind that this would happen to his son. That. 1,000 years earlier in Psalm 22, God talked about those four soldiers. In Psalm 22, verse 16, it says, Well, they pierced my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. People look and they're staring at me. And then the psalmist wrote this, speaking of the Lord Jesus, a thousand years down the road, they divided my garments among themselves and they cast Lots for my clothing. Gambling at the cross. 
I wonder if I'm speaking to just one person and you're guilty of the same thing, gambling at the cross. Oh, you're at the cross, all right. You're listening. Thank God you are. But what are you doing right now as you listen to this gospel message? Gambling? And you say, I'm not a gambler. I don't participate in lottery draws, you know, instant lottery, online gambling, poker, casino table games, and all of those things. That's not my lifestyle slot machines. I'm just not into it. Games of chance. Leaving the cross that day, three would go home without the coveted garment, and the lucky one would go home with it. Gambling. You know, just speaking of gambling statistics, 19.3 million Canadians are active gamblers. 600,000 problem gamblers. Online gamblers experience problems four times more than those who go to bricks and mortar gambling places. Online gambling is extremely problematic and dangerous. And of course, we know that the Bible speaks of the sin of loving money and coveting and and greed and anything that traps a person like a downward spiral and anything that becomes addictive, taking control of a person's mind and their will. It's a very dark outcome, isn't it? People lose dollars. People lose fortunes. People lose families. People lose their future because of gambling. Do you know something? The people who gamble in the shade of the cross, they lose more than a fortune. They lose more than dollars. Gambling at the foot of the cross, countless multitudes have lost their soul. I wonder, are you gambling at the foot of the cross? You know, for the soldiers beneath the cross, they stood to gain or lose very little, just a garment. Early into the pandemic, There were young people gambling with COVID-19. Really. There were COVID-19 parties in cities in some parts of the states. Parties. And how it went was someone who has tested positive for COVID would host the party. It would be advertised on Facebook. Everyone who attended the party, they put dollars into the pot. And they came through the door of the house. The first person after the party was over who tested positive got the pot of money. Dr. Jane Appleby, chief medical officer, Methodist Hospital, Methodist Children's Hospital in San Antonio, Texas. She released a very sad story about that whole practice. A 30-year-old male attended a COVID-19 gambling party. He took the risk. He took the gamble. Dr. Appleby shared with the world the very last words that young man uttered before he lost his life. His last words were these, I think I made a mistake. I thought this was a hoax, but it's not. I'm afraid there are some who are taking a major risk spiritually, not medically. Perhaps you know the salvation and new birth language. You know about heaven. You know about hell. And you know this is not a hoax. But you are playing around gambling with eternal matters. 
the deadly seriousness of what's at stake. It has engripped your heart. Spiritually, some of you are gambling with your soul. You're gambling in the favored shadow of the cross. I'm speaking to some who are very, very familiar with the cross. And you are taking a gamble on ignoring the message of the cross for another gospel service. It's a gamble. They gamble with time. You think you have time? You're gambling at the foot of the cross. The game of chance. Thinking that you will have another opportunity, another day to prepare to meet God. Some may be gambling with the patience of God. You know God is patient and he's not wanting anyone to perish. Meanwhile, you are so privileged. And the cross casts its shadow on you. Oh, you're so close to the cross. And you know God is patient and you're gambling with his patience. There are others who sing amazing grace. No, they know complete stanzas of amazing grace. And yet they're gambling with the very grace of God that is so amazing. People gamble with their soul. They know it is their most valuable possession. But they're playing around with it, giving more attention, giving time to other things of much less importance, less valuable things, issues of far less significance and consequence than your soul. Mark 8, verse 36 says, What shall it profit a man or a woman or a boy or girl if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Let me challenge you as we conclude this session. Rather than gambling at the foot of the cross, beneath the shade of God's tender love for you, will you trust Christ as your personal Savior? Right now? Oh, you say, well, I don't think it could happen right now. You're taking a gamble. You're gambling. You're, you're rolling the dice. You think you'll have another chance. You'll have another day. The sun will get up tomorrow and you'll get up too. That's a gamble. Let me ask you, when I asked you, would you accept Christ as your savior right now? Let me ask you this. What more information about yourself do you need before you are convinced your sins need to be forgiven? Your sins, your sins, your sins. Do you need any more evidence that you have sins that need to be forgiven? You say, no, I know I'm a sinner. Well, then let me ask you another question. What more do you need to know about the Lord Jesus for you to trust him? You say, I could have probably close my eyes and quoted some of those verses, Peter, that you read. And that's why I say you're taking a gamble. Are you sure you'll be around tomorrow to be able to be saved 24 hours time? Are you going to take a gamble beneath the shade of the cross? Let me ask you, how difficult is it to be saved? You say, well, it must be difficult. You know, we're having meetings and a young mother wanted to be saved, grew up knowing the gospel. Her parents were Christians. She was married now. And David Hunt, he finished the first part of the gospel service with these words, and he left it hanging in the air. He just closed his Bible up and he said, Christ died for 
and he walked down off the platform. When I got up to speak, I could see her face radiating a brand new smile. Something had happened between her and her God. Christ died for me. Christ died for. Hard sometimes to just embrace this beautiful simplicity of the wonderful news of the gospel. You see, the Lord Jesus did the most difficult part. In agony, in shame, at the cross, Christ died for our sins. For you, could you not accept God at his word? And say, it says right here, Christ died for the ungodly. That describes me. I'm the one who has sins that are, are as scarlet, as crimson. I need them to be white as snow, pure white. Could you not accept God's word for it as we close? Sweetly simple for you, dear person, agonizingly difficult for Christ. But the free gift of eternal life is available to you. Don't gamble at the cross any longer. Christ is available to you right now. As you sit beneath the shades of the cross, will you accept Christ as your Savior now? Who among us knows what tomorrow may bring, what the next few hours may bring? If we are not saved, isn't that a form of gambling with our souls? Yes, it is. We hope that you will stop whatever you are gambling for and turn to the one thing that is sure and steadfast. Turn to Christ for salvation. You will receive eternal life and peace with God, forgiveness of sins, and an eternal relationship with the one who loves you most. Don't gamble any longer, my friend. Trust in something that doesn't depend on chance and that can never be taken away from you. Trust Christ. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you would like some literature that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. Our Anchor Point messages are also available for listening and download at anchorpointradio.com. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. <music>